Content marketing expert Allison Verhalen takes you on a journey from writing to online stability as she reveals the irony of relying solely on social media, the power of website ownership, and the unexpected career opportunities that await in the world of content marketing. Welcome to Biz Help For You, the show that saves you the expensive learning curve by providing advice from industry experts in every facet of the entrepreneurial journey. Too many small businesses collapse. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 20% fail within their first year, and less than 35% make it to their 10th anniversary. The goal of this podcast is to change that statistic. So if you're interested in learning more to be a successful entrepreneur, tune in today. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Alison Verhalen majored in English and psychology without realizing she was getting the perfect degree for content marketing. It wasn't until a few years after she graduated, when a family friend asked her to write blog posts for his law firm, that she realized she could make money doing what she loves. Fast forward to today, and Allison is still writing blog posts, as well as website landing pages and emails, but also integrates SEO and marketing strategy into the content she writes to give her clients the best chance of attracting, engaging, and converting their ideal clients. So Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is going to be another interesting topic. I know a lot of people want to know about marketing to get exposure for their business. But before I ask you any questions I have on the topic, I'd love for you to share just a little bit more about your story and how you began your marketing business. Yeah, like the bio said, I really fell into it. Always, always loved writing as a kid. Always wanted to be a writer. Was told writers don't make any money and I should choose a more practical career. So I figured by the time I got to college, like you said, I was majoring in English and psychology. Perfect degree for what I'm doing now. Had no clue this was an option. I actually thought I wanted to work in publishing because I figured if I couldn't make a living writing books, maybe I could make a living making books. Well, I graduated in 2009 right after the job market crashed. So Mm. there were no jobs to be had in publishing or really anywhere else. So I answered phones for a few years, found myself between jobs at one point. And that's when it was actually my roommate's dad. My roommate at the time, her dad, who was an attorney and was awesome and offered to give me stuff to do around his office until I got back on my feet. And one of the things he needed was someone to write blog posts for his law firm. And he knew I had a strong writing background. So he offered me the gig and I was like, what? I can get paid to write? Seriously? Yeah, sign me up. (laughs) So I jumped at that chance and started writing for him and then for an associate of his and then for some friends of mine. Did eventually get another day job, but I kept writing on the side and it just kept growing until I couldn't do both anymore. It was one of those where if I was at a party and someone asked, you know, what do you do? I would be like, well, by day I answer phones, but I'm really a writer. And I would always put Mm -hmm more emphasis on the writing I was doing than on the day job that I didn't want. (laughs) So as soon as it reached a point where I was able to ditch the day job and write full time, I did that back in, I want to say end of 2014 was when I did that. So yeah. And then I was a, called myself a full-time writer and freelance writer and then realized what I was doing was really more content marketing and and got to explore what that really meant. And then I Mm -hmm. kind of fell down the SEO rabbit hole. I realized the The more I did blogging as a profession, the more I realized you really can't have blogging without SEO and vice versa. So ended up, it it all started with keywords. 
Mm -hmm. I explored keywords a little bit and that, that was it. I was down the SEO rabbit hole and have yet to find my way back out. Perfect. Well, I think it's important too, to have those who are listening here that it's okay to have a regular job, you know, while you're starting your entrepreneurial journey and that things might change, right? You might have an idea of what it's going to be, but as you start doing things, you're going to pick up maybe other opportunities, or maybe there's a different side of it that you didn't realize even existed. So I always like to ask, you know, how did you start what you're doing and how did you end up where you are now? Because it sheds light on that. And it, I think, gives some confidence to those who might be in the same position. So thanks for sharing that. Of course. Uh, yeah. I and love- I know I'm not the only one to have you know, my business start as a side hustle. That's, that's very mm-hmm. common. So right. yeah, you know, make, do whatever Mine you too. gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> I had a real job, you know, and yeah. someone knew what I did and she kept begging me to help her with her husband's business. Cause she's like, I hate reconciling. It's a pain and you know, I'll invoice the customers, but will you help? And so then I was like, well, if I'm going to help her and I'm going to do it legally, I have to get a license. I have to pay for all these fees. I have to buy the software. I need more clients to make it worthwhile. So I did on the side, you know, until at one point my husband finally said, you know, quit your job and do your business. People love what you do. So that's how I got started too. So there's a lot of us out there that we started on the side. Yep. And that's okay, right? But we're going to talk today about, you know, media and, of course, all that kind of goes into that. And one of the things that might be confusing is the definition of earned media, owned media, paid media. So can you talk about the differences between those? Yeah, so owned media is anything that you own. So really your website content. I think some people would put their social media posts under that category. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm always hesitant about that because you don't really own that. The social media platform owns it. So Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely use social media to promote your content, but your home base needs to be your website because that is the only online real estate that you actually own. Earned media is when someone else is talking about you. So if you have someone saying, hey, this company is doing this great thing. I mean, for example, we had companies, I think of during COVID who were doing certain things and they got publicity for that. Free publicity. They did not pay for that. Some reporter just thought, hey, this is really cool that this person is doing this or this company is doing this. Let's talk about it. That's earned media. And that Mm -hmm. is golden because, A, you get a backlink to your website, which is great for your SEO, but it's also getting you in front of people in a way that does talk about your business and does let people know what your business does to make money, but also talks about something interesting that you're doing. So they want Mm -hmm. to know more about you and your company. So absolutely invest in, in earned media when you can. Paid media is when you are paying to get in front of someone. So social media ads, Google ads, anytime there's there's a transaction involved, that is paid media. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have seen tons of time, I'll get these emails that will say, we're going to write like a two-page article on your business and you just have to pay this, you know, $3,000 or something. And I was like, that's not what I want, right? You know, yeah. and maybe that's good for some people, but I don't want to have where I'm paying to get in front of somebody in that manner. Cause I don't even know if that's going to result in business, right? Because for what I do, I think it's more reliant on the trust that you have engendered with other people because it's finance, you know, and that might work for others. But I also think where you were talking about the earned media is really important because if other people are talking about you and what you're doing, it gives 
that like almost like a testimonial from them, especially if it's a client that has used you and is talking about you versus just paying to get out there. So how do you feel about that? Is that something that in some industries, maybe it works better to pay to be in front of someone versus having someone talking about you? Yeah, I think it all depends on your strategy. Look at what they're offering. Look at what else they've done for other companies, because there are a lot of companies, unfortunately, out there who are providing this service and it's basically mm-hmm. just scams. So mm-hmm. look carefully at, at what they're offering and what they're actually capable of doing. And does it make sense? Will it actually get you in front of your target audience? Is there a potential to get a return on that investment? And if so, then yeah, go for it. But I, I think, like you said, I think most of the time we tend to look at this and be like, you can't promise me anything. <laughs> this is just creating content and putting it somewhere. And maybe someone who wants my product or services will see it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it just depends on, on what makes sense for your business. Mm -hmm. So there's so much out there that we are told we're supposed to be doing, right? You know, be on social media platforms, have your website, you know, be interviewed by people, be on podcasts, even like, you know, different things. So if someone can only focus on one or maybe two at the most because they're wearing 25 hats as entrepreneurs, like what would you suggest would be the priority for them? Yeah, well, like I said, your website is the only real estate that you own. So I Mm -hmm. always recommend starting there. And like I said, all that other stuff is great for promoting your content. But (laughs) I, I, I know social media is great and it has a lot of opportunities. But if that's the only thing you're using to get in front of people and to build those those relationships. And then if something happens and you get locked out of your account for whatever reason, right. you, you lose your entire business. Mm-hmm. And we have seen that. We have seen people who build their businesses on a social media platform and don't have their own website, don't have an email list, and the, they change the algorithm. They get locked out of their account. Suddenly they lose their business overnight. So mm-hmm. always, always start with your website. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I mean, I've heard some people say, well, websites, they're so old school. We're just going to use social media. But I agree that you do own it. You've got, you know, the people who are maybe adding to your list. So you at least have that information because I do know a story too about almost a year ago, I was at a workshop and somebody said that they just got locked out of their Facebook account because they had hired an admin to reach out to some of their contacts to talk about, you know, maybe a special offer they had. And that person like messaged through, you know, messenger, like a hundred people in that day or something. And so then Facebook said, oh, this is a spammer, right? And like shut her down. And I forget how many thousands or tens of thousands. I mean, I think it was a big number. I I was also thinking it was almost closer to a hundred thousand, but I could be wrong, but she lost them all and had to start from scratch. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's painful, right? A painful lesson to learn. So I agree. The social media is an interesting way to use content you have to like spread the word about you and hopefully drive them to your website. But sometimes it's hard to maintain your website or what should I have on there? Do I have to write blogs? Like what should I put on as content so that it is fresh, you know, and it draws attention. So what can you recommend the listeners about what to do regarding their website? Yeah, uh, definitely keep it updated. If you have a WordPress website and those plugins need to be updated, go in whenever. I know I get emails every time something needs to be updated and I will go in right away and and update that plugin because if you're not updating it, you're 
leaving yourself vulnerable to hackers. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keep it updated. Make sure it's still working. Make sure it's clean. Make sure everything that's there needs to be there. (laughs) If there's anything Mm -hmm. there that's just taking up space, that slows down your website. So yeah, make sure your your website is updated and and working well. And content wise, yeah, absolutely. Yes, you need to be blogging. I'm sorry for those of you who don't want to hear it, but it's true. Google, we know, prioritizes newer content over older content. So even if you go in and you like tweak the stuff, the content on your website and you update it, that doesn't count as new content on your website unless you're republishing it. So for a blog, yeah, it's a great way to get new content on your website on a regular basis. I always say at least once a month, preferably twice a month. But the the key is to do it on a regular basis so that you're gaining that trust with Google and with the real life people who come to your website, Mm -hmm. depending on what it is you're selling. I sell professional services. So people want to know more about me and what I do and what the value is. They're like, what is content marketing? Who is Allison? What is this all about? Going to my blog is a great way to find out, you know, what I do, what I know, what the value is that I provide. So that can be a great way to get people to your website or even get people who are on your website to get that buy-in from them when they start exploring mm-hmm. the content that's on there and the the tips and tricks as far as you know what should I be putting on there what are people asking you all the time what are mm-hmm. what are the questions that you hear over and over every time you're at a networking event or at a party and you tell someone what you do they're asking you in person, they're probably asking Google. So mm-hmm. write a blog post about it. If you see content online or topics online, the the trending topics, I had to write two blog posts last year about AI because no one would shut up about it. So it's like, all right, right. <laughs> here we go. So yeah, cover cover those topics. Any new news and updates in your industry are always good to cover on your blog so that people start to see you as a resource. And the other great thing about having a blog is that it makes it so much easier to convert prospects who might be on the fence uh, when you're reaching out to follow up with people instead of saying, hey, you know, that's the conversation we had, or are you still interested? If instead you can then you can say, hey, I know we talked about such and such last time we chatted. By the way, I have an article about this that I wrote. It's right over here. Now you're providing value and you're furthering right. the conversation. And again, positioning yourself as an expert and a thought leader. So mm-hmm. I have found that the sales process is so much easier with a strong blog. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great tip because a lot of us probably haven't thought about when you're following up with someone to share that piece of content that is probably, you know, something important to them that they need to know. And we have the information and they may not have even known to look at our blog to find it. So I'm glad you shared that tip too, because I think that will be really helpful. So what do you recommend though, in terms of like length of blogs too? Because I know sometimes feel like they feel like I can't write very much, or maybe if I write too long of a blog, people won't want to read it. So do you have maybe a guide on how long something should be that they're sharing? Yeah. So again, for Google purposes, no less than 500 words, which if you're mm-hmm. writing it in a word document, that's about one page, single spaced. No, it sounds like a lot. It's really not that much, especially for your readers. Your readers can blow through 500 words faster than you might think. I tend to go for at least 1,000, 1,500 words on my blogs just because Google does prioritize the longer content, the more in-depth content. 
there really is no, first of all, there, there is no such thing as a blog that's too long. I've heard some mm -hmm. people say that they will not write anything less than 3000 words for Google purposes. So yeah, yes, people do engage with content, but that, that is that long. I know we tend to think mm -hmm. that we don't, but the data shows that, yeah, the longer the content, the, and as long as it's quality content that people right. actually want to read, don't try to reach some arbitrary word count just because you think you have to make sure that every word in there counts and is providing value. And then people who are interested in that topic will want to read it. But at the same time, if it is super long, make it skimmable. Like I said, I mm -hmm. write the really long blog posts, but I also provide subheadings throughout so people can skim it if they want to. And I put a table of contents at the top. So with links mm, nice. throughout the content. So if you see that table of contents and you know, I'm just interested in this, they can click on that and go straight to that section. So make it easy for them to find what they want. But the key is just to cover everything there is to cover on a given topic, because that's how you get that ultimate guide style post on that topic. Mm -hmm. And that's how you become the resource for that topic. That's what will, again, clue Google off to, oh, this person really knows what they're talking about. This is like a really good, juicy piece of content <laughs> on this topic. So that's going to boost your rankings. And then if people are looking for something specific on that topic, regardless of what it is they're looking for, they're going to find it on your blog because you've covered everything there is to cover. So mm -hmm. aside from the 500 word limit, I, I don't recommend like one word count to rule them all. There There is no such thing. And again, don't try to use those filler words to just to reach some arbitrary word count. I Like I said, I did major in English. I know how to, how to reach an arbitrary word count by filling it with fluff because I had to write right. a lot of essays that had to be a certain word count. It was not my best writing, but... <laughs> You know, I, I did mm -hmm. what I had to do to get the grade. So don't do that. Always focus on quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Well, it was interesting to hear those numbers because I remember hearing too, like you should write about three to 400 words, anything more than that. People really don't want to read. It's too long, you know? So it was interesting to hear that you were saying at least 500 and often, you know, even longer, of course, making it easy to read with like the headings or maybe bullet points or something. But I also yeah. liked where you said the table of contents. I don't think I've heard that tip before. And so for anyone who's also listening, who's saying like, oh, I, I like that concept, but I'm not sure how to do that in my website. Can you give them like how to so that when someone clicks on it, it takes them right to that section in the blog? Yeah, that's a little bit tricky. I don't know if I can do that in a podcast. I'd have okay. to show you. <laughs> okay. I had to teach myself a little bit of HTML in order to figure out how to do that. I, uh, But again, I Googled it, <laughs> how, to, mm -hmm. how to do that. Like, how do I get these links in here? So yeah. And again, my site is on WordPress. So WordPress does make it a little bit easier in terms of getting that the anchor in there. And then I just mm -hmm. had to get the, the link that I wanted to go to the anchor. So yeah, I, I Googled it and I'm trying to remember now which blog it was that Google took me to. It was, it, I want to say it was SEMrush or one of those, one of those like really big SEO, you know, mm -hmm. websites that has a ton of information. It would have been SEMrush or HubSpot. It was one of those. Okay, perfect. So if somebody is listening and saying, okay, well, I do want to have my website, you know, I want to have my email list. I still want to use social media. You know, how do I make this all work together. So it seems like it's a smooth process. It's not overwhelming. You know, I'm still sharing the content that I need to share without wasting a lot of time. 
yeah, have a strategy. Know what the goal is for each piece of content that you create, including your social media posts and know what that funnel looks like. How are people finding you? And when they do find you, what pieces of content are they engaging with? Some people find you online mm-hmm. on social media. Some people find you through a Google search and they land on one of your blog posts. So then what? What do they need? What do they tend to do next? What makes sense as the next stage in the buyer journey? I see a lot of people with blog posts going straight to, hey, buy my stuff. That doesn't mm-hmm. always make sense, especially if you're in a B2B industry or professional right. services where it, it's a it's a longer process. It's gonna take a while to to build up that trust and that relationship. So I tend to go with sign up for my newsletter, follow me on social media, here's my webinar that I just hosted other ways to provide value and continue getting content in front of people until they are ready to buy. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's all about having that strategy, knowing where your target audience is hanging out. What does that funnel look like and how can you continue to stay in touch with them until they are ready to buy? Right. And if someone's listening and saying, great, like this all sounds fabulous, but I just do not have the time, you know, so I need someone to help me, you know, what would you give in terms of some tips on how they can potentially offload that task to someone else, but it still represents them and their voice and getting out what they need to get out? Have brand voice guidelines. That is uh, something that I help my clients with is creating those brand voice guidelines because yeah, when they hire me to write for them, I want to make sure the content sounds like them instead of sounding like me. So I always ask, you know, what are your brand voice guidelines? And they tend to go brand voice. What now? And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> here, let's start from the beginning. But if you are hiring someone, whether it's an admin, a social media manager, a, a blogger or a content marketer, if you can give them your brand voice guidelines, that makes the process so much easier. Your brand voice guidelines consist of uh, a your tagline some keywords that you want to use in your content and I don't just mean keywords from an SEO perspective I mean what are your branded keywords so for example I have I myself tend to use some casual words like super and awesome and I have some other clients who use those words as well I have some clients who never use those words they want to sound really professional what are some words that you will never use in your content? Swearing is an obvious one. I don't like the word stupid, so I tend not mm-hmm. to use it at all in my content or dumb, right? Same thing. Mm-hmm. What are what are those things that differentiate you from your competition? And then look at what your competition is doing. What are some words that they are using that you will not use and vice versa? Mm-hmm. So that can help set you apart from the competition. And just at the end of the day, how do you want people to feel? when they encounter Mm -hmm. your brand, because it is all about feelings and emotions, regardless of how much we tell ourselves that it's all based on logic and numbers. And it's not, it's, it's really, the decision is made emotionally and then justified through logic. So knowing what that feeling is that you want to engender in your prospects will help you define those brand voice guidelines. So then, yeah, when you hire someone to create content for you or distribute your content for you, being able to say, hey, here's our guidelines makes that process so much easier. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, depending on the industry, sometimes it's like a balancing act between making sure it's professional, but not too stiff. Right. And then on the other end, not being too casual because then people might think you're really not professional. So, you know, determining where that really is that like perfect mix between sharing the information and still having like a friendly tone, I think is one of those things that we have to figure out. 
Yeah. And that line is going to be in a different place for everyone. Like I said, mm -hmm. some of my clients are super professional and don't want to use any of those casual words. Some of my clients are super casual and I do have the occasional client who is okay with swearing in their content. So like mm -hmm. I said, that line is going to be wherever you decide it is and wherever, again, wherever it makes sense for your target audience. If they're going to be turned off by swearing, maybe don't use it. <laughs> if right. they're going to be turned off by certain other words, don't use those words. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, are there any other tips or tricks you want to share that I didn't think to ask a question about that the listener would find helpful on this topic? I think we covered the basics. I mean, I could talk about this all day, <laughs> but yeah, the, at, at the end of the day, have a strategy, know who your target audience is and know what that goal is. Have a really clear call to action for every piece of content you create and make it easy for them to take that action. Don't make them fill out a super long form or click on this and then this, and then go over here, let them do one thing to, to complete that action. It'll make it that much more likely they'll actually take that action. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, I want to ask if you have an offer that you would like to share with our audience and if they have more questions or they want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Yeah. So my website is AV as in my initials, Allison Verhalen. So that is avwritingservices.com. And again, I do have a blog and webinars and all kinds of information on there that you can use to DIY your way through this until you can't afford to hire someone like me to take it over for you while you do what you do best. One of the things I offer is a blogging strategy session. It is half an hour where we sit down and talk about your blog. So that is normally uh, $97 for half an hour. But for your people, if they want to go ahead and click on that link um, and use the code BizHelp, B-I-Z-H-E-L-P, they can get that for free. Nice. Well, thank you. That's a great offer. I appreciate your sharing that with our audience. And I appreciate your taking the time to come and chat with us today on this topic. I mean, I know there's so much out there in terms of marketing and I've had people on my podcast before, you know, sharing too, but I think it's important to keep in front of our minds to some of the things that we need to be doing and getting some of those questions answered. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's, this was a blast. Thank you listeners for tuning in today. I hope you found this topic interesting and enjoyed the informative discussion. Would you please share my show with those you know and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform? I'd really appreciate your support. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to my guest at any of the links that they shared, or you could send me a message at media at abandp.com. I hope you can join me for my next interview. And remember, you can connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. This episode is sponsored by Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services. If you are overwhelmed trying to handle the financial aspects of your business, ABMP is here to help. Contact us today to discuss your needs at 310-534-5577 or contact at abandp.com. My team and I are eager to assist you. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next time. Have a terrific day.